to the end of the chapter. This is the memory passage for all of the classes. So we're reading it each Lord's Day just to acquaint ourselves with it every Lord's Day and help us to learn it along the way, as well as in your time that you have to study and learn it. Matthew 6, beginning with verse 19. Practical, practical, practical passage. Everyday life right here. Everyday life. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, <coughs> excuse me, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The Lord bless the reading of his word to our heart. All right, we're back to the ninth commandment. Uh, ninth commandment, it's interesting, we talked some last week, the, the matter of lying, being truthful, not bearing false witness. And the fact that truth is one of the attributes of God. When, we were, when man was created, certainly that was part of the fiber of the soul of man that was placed in him. And from the beginning, it's been the lie that brought about the first sin and is involved in every sin thereafter. I was thinking about it. You have to believe a lie to believe that God is not the one true God. 
You have to believe a lie to not worship God the way he has prescribed. You have to believe a lie because if you use God's name in vain. You have to believe a lie if you don't keep the Sabbath day in the way God has prescribed. You have to believe a lie if you don't maintain relationships on earth, father and mother, the fifth commandment. All right? You have to believe a lie to believe that life is not sacred, killing. You have to believe a lie to believe that being moral is not important. The seventh commandment, committing adultery. Eighth commandment, property. You have to believe a lie to believe that property is not something that should be uh, protected, something that should be um, recognized and honored as to who it belongs to. All right? And you have to believe a lie when we get to the Tenth Commandment on coveting. Every commandment, the breaking of every commandment involves a lie. So we see that's not true with every other commandment. There are a lot of them. If you break one, you've broken the other. And In principle, we know if you've broken one, you've broken them all as far as God is concerned. But this, this aspect of lying, and the scripture talks about it a lot. We're, we'll obviously hit a lot of verses as we go through it. But it's one of the things that is recognized as being one of those things that God hates. God hates lying. And we can understand why. It was a lie that, as it were, ruined creation. That God had made. It's a lie that takes angels and men to hell. So we can understand why God would abhor lying as he does. Lying, though, is something perhaps of all the commandments. We do the easiest. It's probably the easiest one to break. All right? Perhaps it doesn't carry in our minds the stigma that some of the others would, especially from the fifth on. But it's so easy. As we mentioned, it just is ingrained. It, we're born in sin, and it doesn't take long to see it manifest itself in our children particularly in the form of lying. So as we consider this, and we're, a lot of the applications we have are things that we as adults would, would be involved with perhaps and would be acquainted with. But don't, don't underestimate the significance of this commandment both in keeping the other commandments, but particularly as to just living our life. Living our life before the Lord as we are. Now, we are on page 488, dealing with the ninth commandment. 
And we started last week, question 144, what are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? And I go through, as I go through these, I use the footnotes, uh, the, the little notes uh, that, that have the, the, the scripture reference. Um, and, and we'll go through all of them just to acquaint ourselves with them, to give thought to them. We'll spend a little more time on some than others, but I would encourage you. Um, the, the, uh, the, the support text uh, on uh, the law of God, uh, Williamson on the larger catechism in here, uh, read those. They're excellent. They're excellent. Um, I may bring one of them and, and read a couple of the quotes that were in there. Uh, but um, they've got some, some good food for thought in them. But in the first, the, the duties required, and I'm not going to read the whole thing again. We did that last week. The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the first part, uh, the preserving and promoting of truth. Now, that's pretty general and probably applies to, to everything we're going to look at. But in particular here, the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man and the good name of our neighbor as well as our own. And they'll repeat the part about our own name later on in the, uh, in the material. And we looked at uh, those, um, how important it is to guard truth, uh, to um, demand and expect truth from ourselves particularly, and from others. Uh, we're going to hit what it is to just say, wait a minute, stop, don't. If you're not going to tell me the truth, don't tell me anything. Just please, don't spread lies. And um, we have to do that to ourselves first uh, because we certainly, well, I can speak for myself, um, it, it, you're just amazing how, how easy something certainly crosses the mind. Well, now, if I, if I, if I say it this way, all right, I'm, I'm not being dishonest because what I'm saying is true, but maybe the way I'm saying it or how much I say is intended to mislead. So, in effect, I've lied. Even though I told the truth, I've lied uh, because... I accomplished a, a, um, an understanding from someone else that really, if they knew everything, might not be what they would, the opinion they would come to or the decision or whatever. So this important part of preserving and promoting truth between man and man, and then the... Uh, the good name of our neighbor as well as our own. Um, the, the, and a good reputation here, but this is somewhat defending. We'll, we'll talk more about the personal side of it later, uh, but uh, speaking up when we need to speak up to defend um, someone's good name, uh, or even maybe they don't have, as it were, a name at all. And sometimes those folks uh, their reputation can be ruined before it ever gets started. And speaking up for them sometimes, it may be a group, it may be a person, whatever it is, 
if you know the truth and what's being said is not the truth, then you've got to decide, is it incumbent upon me to speak up and protect that person's reputation? Now, how much we'll talk about it, we'll see. But in this day and age, I want you to think how much some of this applies just within the body of Christ. The entire body of Christ. And what we say and what we don't say about others. There are things sometimes that need to be said. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes, again, we, we, we want to promote our own cause, right? And a favorite way of promoting our own cause is to destroy every other cause by pointing out something about them that we think will bring them into disfavor and elevate our cause. So it's not just in the world. It, it's just as equally great in the church, unfortunately. All right. Um, now, when we pick up the next part of our, of our answer, so we have the preserving and promoting, the appearing and standing for truth I just talked about, and then we've got, and from the heart. This is where I want to pick up today. And from the heart. So this is, the, the first one's preserving and promoting the truth. That's one and two. Three is standing for the truth. This one is speaking for the truth or speaking the truth. And from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth and only the truth in matters of judgment and justice, and in all other things whatsoever. All right, so let's back up and just take a look at these individual words, some of which there, there's, there's overlap here. But appearing and standing for the truth, excuse me, and from the heart, and from the heart. Um, take a look at Proverbs 3, 3. And if you've got your Bibles, you're gonna, we're going to go through and look at a number of things today. So Proverbs 3, I've added a few texts to some of these for us to consider. Proverbs 3, 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. And I would suggest to you that truth was one of the things that was written on the table of man's heart when God created him, right? And it's one of the things that was defiled in the fall. Uh, truth and the desire for truth, obviously, is going to go along with the desire for God, for God is truth, right? If you don't like God, if you hate God, you're going to hate truth in one form or another. 
So the, the writer of Proverbs encourages us to write mercy and truth upon the table of our heart. Mercy and truth, ways we act, how we look at our own heart, how we deal with our own heart, and the way we act with others. And from the heart, sincerely, uh, look at Second Chronicles chapter 19. Second Chronicles 19, and it verses 5 through 9. And, and we've got, that's number, proof text number 5 down there uh, is 19.9. I'm going to back up to 5. Uh, it's somewhat the same application, just, or the same point, just two separate applications. Second right, Chronicles, help if I get to the right chapter, 19. Verse 5. Now this is after Jehoshaphat had joined with um, the king of Israel and gone to battle and dressed up like the king of Israel and about got himself killed. All right. Now he's come back home. The Lord spared him. He's come back home. And Jehoshaphat set judges, verse 5, and he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed what ye do. For ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. And I would suggest to you that that's this sincerely. Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. So it doesn't matter who you are. No bribe's going to help you out. Um, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're powerful, if you're not. Uh, he says, do the right thing. And he says the same thing as it were in the church. In verse 8, moreover in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set up the Levites, set up of the Levites and of the priests and of the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a perfect heart. So we've got civil and we've got uh, the, the religious judgment going on here, and he basically says, now you do the right thing, understanding you're doing it before the Lord. The Lord's going to understand what you're doing. The Lord's going to see your heart. So you better be sincere in your heart, and you better make sure what you're doing is right. Because you don't worry about man. Man's not who you've got to be concerned about here. You fear the Lord. Because again, the Lord has no time for lying, for untruthfulness. You'd be far better to fall into the hands of an angry mob at what you do than into the hands of God for being untruthful. That's what Jehoshaphat's basically saying to them. Fear the Lord. Be sincere in what you're doing. Understand 
understand the importance of it and do it sincerely. Do it freely. It's our next word, freely. And not, not holding back because of uh, who's involved. Now, if you look, number six, yeah, uh, number six, I'm on page 490. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father. All right? And he goes on, let not the king sin against his servant. Now this is somebody speaking freely from the heart. You ever wonder how tough that was? Put yourself in Jonathan's shoes. Jonathan knows his dad's opinion of David. And Jonathan goes in and says, Dad, Father, he would have given full respect to his position as father as well as king. Be careful. Don't sin. Don't sin. It, it wasn't just, don't do something bad to David. He's my friend. And he was. Jonathan loved him. They had a very close, a brotherly friendship. And it would have been very natural for Jonathan to have gone in and said, Dad, please, he's my best friend. You know what Jonathan did? Jonathan went into his father and said, Don't sin in this matter. From the heart. Cared about David. Cared about his father. And he saw what his father was doing. And he went in and said, this isn't good. What you're doing is wrong. Don't sin. Freely, clearly. Uh, the details, number seven. The, the story of Achan we're acquainted with. and When it lot falls on Achan and Joshua brings him forth and says, now give me all the details. Okay. Did you take it? Well, um, apparently some of it wound up in some of my stuff. No. I want the details. Don't hide anything from me. All right? Being clear in what we say. That's with all the details so that the right opinion is formed. We're doing this for the sake of Judgment and justice is the answer has. And then the next one is very similar, uh, the, the fully. Uh, and this is where um, Absalom has, has gone, kind of been driven away from home because of his actions. After he killed his brother because of what he did to his sister, all right, or had his brother killed. And, and so um, Absalom flees and things have kind of settled down and David, David misses his son. You know, it, it's interesting just how David, how, when, you, when you read everything Absalom did, I don't think David ever stopped loving him. 
and sometimes to his own hurt, much to his own hurt. But Absalom goes, and Joab devises this plan to, to, to get Absalom back home. All right, and David's kind of, he, he has this um, young lady go and talk to the king, and the king says, wait a minute, what's, what's going on? What, what's, what's the big plan here? You, you didn't come and just do this just to be doing it. I want to know who's behind it and what's, what the game plan is. All right, that's the fully here. So she had come and tried to persuade and, and to give some illustrations, kind of like when, uh, when the prophet came to David and talked about the lamb, the, the man, the little lamb, and you know, Nathan says, you're the, this is about you. <laughs> and, and David got it. Well, that's kind of a little bit of what's going on here. But um, he wanted to know what the overall plan was. Again, truthfulness, not just in this detail, but if this detail is part of several details, I want to know the whole plan. Now, there is, there is discretion that's got to be used in all this. Um, when you, you don't go to, if you're engaged in war, you don't go to the enemy and they get you, all right, tell me, tell me what's going on out here. You, know, you don't disclose all the, the uh, military plans of which you may be aware to the enemy. So obviously the situation can, uh, can, can impact what you're saying and what you're not saying. But as a general principle is what we're dealing with. Uh, you've got to be truthful enough so that uh, the, the truth as in, a whole, in the whole can be understood and seen and known. And then the freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth and only the truth sounds kind of familiar to you. Solemnly swear that you what you're about to say is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, most of the judges now leave off, so help you God. Um, but they still require and affirming, at least to the judge, all right, that what I'm going to say is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I'm not going to add my spin, all right? I'm not going to give what I think maybe was going, I'm just going to present the facts. Now, rarely happens in a courtroom, but uh, that's what's supposed to happen in the courtroom. But uh, quite frequently, it gets um, tarnished or embellished uh, one way or the other, right? Uh, often said, uh, I never wish anybody to have to sit on a stand or have to be the person accused and listen to what people say on the stand. But at the same time, you know, just if it's your life that's at stake, we, we tend to get a lot more upset when lies are told. 
than win somebody else's life. But the end, the end result is there's a lack of truth. And if we all considered or all acted toward others in the same manner, you know, the do unto others as you would have them do unto you, well, if you don't want folks to lie about you or to in any way misrepresent things about you, why would you ever do that as to anybody else? But sadly, we, we do at times, and again, uh, we've talked about some of the things, why, what, what may prompt us uh, to, to do some of those things, the pride, the revenge, the hatred. Hatred is mentioned a lot in Scripture in conjunction with lying and untruthfulness, um, both as to what God hates and both as to our tendency to be less than truthful. If there's hatred in our heart towards someone or something. All right. Uh, the testimony we've talked about. Then the, the, the kind of general phrase here. Uh, and in all other things whatsoever. And I would simply suggest to you that in that. Uh, in, in number 10 is our uh, reference. In Ephesians 425, the second reference is on page 490. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, we are, if in nothing else, in society. You know, you live in a community, you're members of that community. But I would simply suggest to you here that I mentioned the fifth commandment in lying in connection with it. Well, that's what I think we're dealing with here. In every relationship that you have, every relationship, husband, wife, parent, child, employer, employee, government, citizen, whatever it is, church, you know, leadership in the church and, and you know, member of the church, whatever it is, in every relationship, Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. And I can't tell you any exception that's, that you can find in that verse as to any relationship you're in. If we speak the truth with our neighbor, then may not it may not be pleasant at times, right? Your neighbor may get real upset with you, whoever that neighbor is. Children get upset with parents because the parent said you did wrong. Everybody else does it. You're just mean. You don't love me. Okay. And yet, you know. If you don't speak the truth to them, it'll be to their harm. Same thing's true. An employer, that's not the right way to do the job. You get upset. Oh, so I'm a dummy, huh? I mean, you stop <laughs> some of the reactions we have. 
in our own heart and mind. It, it, if, it, if it wasn't sad, it'd be funny. Oh, so you don't think I know what I'm doing? It's obvious you didn't know what you were doing because the employer told you. I mean, yeah. Or maybe you knew what you were doing. But look, let me show you how you can do this a little better, a little quicker, whatever. So how we react in those relationships, keeping truth to the fore, letting truth, letting truth influence what we say and what we do. How critical, how critical. All right, and then we hit with number 11, um, this another section, a charitable esteem of our neighbors. A charitable esteem, it reminds you of the verse, esteeming others better than ourselves. And you can see your, your, your proof text there. And, and the second one being from the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, dealing with love. And, and I would suggest to you this charitable esteem of our neighbors is simply using the truth in a loving way. All right? Let's never forget that, again, the summary Christ gave of the commandments dealt with love. Love for God and love for man. And so lying, all right, this ninth commandment falls in that summary of love for man. Love your neighbor as yourself, all right? So Christ himself put it there. So how we use truth can't be separated from love. You say, well, why would it ever be? What do you think? Can you think how the use of truth might be an unloving thing? What do you think? Anybody got a idea or suggestion? Kind of kind of foreign to you, Danny? Especially things like uh, the point you, you can use truth to, to down to, to tear people down, and especially if you happen to know that somebody did something bad, but they've repented, they've sought forgiveness, right? You, you know that not only have they sought forgiveness from God, they went to the person they wronged and sought forgiveness. Doesn't change though that. They did it, does it? So now in truth, do you know what they did? All right? We don't add even that they've sought repentance. Maybe we do. Maybe we give every, but now, but now they, they have sought forgiveness. I know that they were very sorry for what they did. But do you know they did it? Yeah, using truth to tear somebody down. Anything else? Anybody else got an idea? 
Okay. And that, that's, that may be the biggest one uh, in one form or another, whether it has to do with a sin or whether it simply has to do with the truth of, I mean, depending on the context, do you know how much they're worth? So what's the point? Well, I'm trying to maybe drive a wedge between the haves and the have-nots. Something like that. Do you know what they said over here to this group? Can you take it out of context? It's the truth. They said it. But maybe in context, it has an entirely different meaning than what that statement has in a standalone effect. So, we can use truth in an unloving way. So, being careful to, uh, to use it in a charitable way. Charitable esteem of our neighbors, and then loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name. Sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities. That um, number 12, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name. You know, we see this in Paul's writings, don't we, a lot? Paul rejoicing. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your testimony. I've heard of your treatment of the brethren. I've heard of how you've supported. I've heard of the truth about how they were growing in the Lord and how they were acting in their Christian life. All right. When was the last time in your heart you heard something about somebody and you said, that's wonderful? Praise the Lord. That's, that's, a, that's such a good thing. Do we rejoice in truth about others? Whether it's whether it's secular or sacred, if you want to make that distinction. Whether it's, wow, they got a new job, and they're doing great in it. And wonderful. Can, can we rejoice with them? You know? They've started a church, and they've got 50 people coming now. Does the truth of that cause us to rejoice? Wonderful. Wonderful. And in turn, we've got the sorrowing, and particularly, Scripture would deal with sorrowing because folks aren't walking in truth. They aren't doing what they should be doing. Uh, we see in the proof text, um, in, in, you can see in, in number 12, the rejoicing. I rejoice greatly. I found of my children walking in truth. Uh, Third John 3 and 4 that we looked at at the beginning uh, last time. Uh, rejoice, testify to the truth that is in thee, that thou walkest in truth. 
And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And as a parent, that you, you definitely, well, hopefully, you, you definitely realize that. Then we get to the sorrowing part, which is number 13 on page 491. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart. Paul was hurting. Out of anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. And it was about things to correct. And you, the next one, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well many which have sinned already and have not repented. Grieve Paul. Grieve Paul. He grieves you as a parent when a child goes off into sin. It grieves a minister and it grieves elders and deacons and friends when those in the church go off. Not leave the church because they got another job or they moved to a different location or they just felt led of the Lord to join another body. That's not sin. But when they separate from the church because of coldness of heart, you see it. You see it. You hear about it. You inquire. Where are they? Well, I'm just not interested now. Um, it hurts. And like I say, friends, it can be friends, it can be family, it can be church family. But there is this sorrowing. When we hear or see that there are those not walking in truth. You see? See where the lie comes in? The lie leads them away. The lie leads them away. They're not walking in truth. They're walking in truth, they're going to be in church. They're going to be seeking to please the Lord. But it's a lie. Somebody, or the devil himself, that has presented the lie, and they bought into it. Bought into it. Oh, time's gone. Let me, let me throw something out for you. We'll pick up with this next week. The next one in there is uh, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities. All right, covering of their infirmities. Oh, I'm supposed to cover up their sin. Well, we'll talk about that next week. All right? So you can tell me, what are we, what are we covering? How do we cover? I mean, the words say covering their infirmities. All right? Make no mistake, you're covering. That's what it says do. You're hiding it. Now, how's that done and why is it done? Why did God put this in his word? What is it that is to be accomplished by the covering of infirmities? Are you answering, Jordan? You got to hold it till next week if you're answering. 
to hold it till next week. Because I'm past time anyway. But I, I want you to think about it. I mean, it's, you know, we live in a day and age. What's, what's the go-to word this day and age? Being transparent. Being transparent. We want to be transparent in everything except something that doesn't make us look good when we're transparent. Right? But th this, is, this is an interesting this is an interesting command to us. So let's decide how we accomplish it to the good and help of each other. Jack? I will, I will, I may. Now, we've talked about Rahab several times in a variety of settings. And um, so I may get to that and I may not get to that because, boy, you, you start, you know, what are the circumstances? When is it ever right to lie? If life is at stake, is it right to lie? In, in war, are all, are all uh, commandments off? You know, it, it is tough. It, I mean, there's... You can talk to 10 people and probably, well, I don't know that you could get 10 different, but I think you could probably split five and five on which way they'd come down. But we might talk about that a little bit, but uh, I won't promise. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to keep it or I'd be a liar if I promise. <laughs> so we get to that too. All right, good. Well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we... Thank you for helping us and for, Lord, for, for showing us so much about ourselves sometimes. Lord, it's not always pleasant to see and to deal with, but how much we need the truth of thy word to deal with our own heart, with our mind. So, Lord, help us. Help us to be a people who love thee, who love thy truth who love thy truth because it is of thee and about thee and from thee, who desire to be truthful like unto their heavenly Father. So, Lord, be with us and go with us from this place and bless our time of fellowship. And then as we come to worship, give us hearts full. Lord, helped by the Spirit that we might worship thee in spirit and in truth. So go with us. Do us good, we ask, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.